You just sent up something. You it, you changed the screen. What you doing, Chef? So that's, a new, that's a new uh, show. I'm on the same page. Is it the same thing? No, you got to get off of that. Oh, that's good. So we don't got to change. You don't got, we don't got to send nobody on anything, right? No, everybody's going on. No, I'm talking about on, on Facebook. No, on YouTube, you mean. I'm saying everybody's in the chat and stay right here, right? No, we have to. No, no, everybody's Oh, that's me. I understand. This link right here that you gave a new shit? I see it. All right, I got it. All right, I got it. We got to move everybody over. <laughs> All right. All right, we live. Damn, so how the show, so we just going to start over again or what? Oh, we can start at question yeah. three. Yeah, we're going to start over. All right. Hey, this is what we're going to do. We're going to start from question start one. Over. We good, yo. Yeah. All right. I want it to be a fresh, clear, clean show like it, but you know what I mean? Yeah, we good. Yeah. Damn, yo, you fucked up the whole. We need to end up. Oh, I don't want it. I don't want it chopped in half. Nah, you know what I mean? This this got to be full, clear, clean. Yeah, way. yeah, the work is good, yo. The work, the yeah, introduction okay. was gravy good, yo, good. Motherfuckers are just here to introduction. They get a little history. How we got to, we got to. We already took care of that. That's good. Mm -hmm. All right. Yep, we're just, we're, 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 we're renaming that something. That went 50 something minutes, I think. Yep. That's good. So now we we live, man. We're just gonna re reset it. Where you at, Chef? We can't even see you, Chef. <laughs> let me get you. Hold on, let me get over to another link. Let's see. All right, can y'all? Right, can you guys see us now? All right, we good. Yeah, we live. So, all right, let's get let's get right to it. Um, well, let's just wait. Let people get in here. Chef, good for fucking it up, boy. Damn, chef. <laughs> so crazy, Take the keys yeah. from him, yo. <laughs> you can crash twice, yo. You come on, yo. Get the keys. It goes. <laughs> Somebody get the keys. <laughs> That nigga was eating a hamburger while he was driving. Yeah, you yeah, the hamburger. You want to start calling the Ran hamburger? Ran into the back of somebody. Damn, yo, we oh man, we, yeah, we, we we got it, yo. So we we what we gonna do is we gonna go. Well, we, uh, we, we, we don't have to do the introduction again. We did that, right? Hell no, no, no. That's on another video. That's good. That's good. Right where right. that's at. That's great. Yeah, that was let's just let's just get back to question number one because that's a good introductory question. I, yeah, I, that, right. definitely. But I, I want to let some people. How many we got in here? Because uh, I'm on my phone. I ain't on my iPad. Oh, we got hey, thirty six. That's just some people getting in for a little minute, man. Brother that's Josh good. and Consul and, and, and Gucci, y'all still there? Yeah, yeah Consul, where you at, Consul? Yeah, I'm still here. Yeah, I'm still here. Still here. All right, good. Wait, all right, we good. We got 46, lift 50, we, we don't get no gas so we get 50 running this motherfucker. Let that, that high octane get it started. 
I yep. mean, M- NBC have technical difficulties. I mean, so we, we didn't have to leave. We <laughs> <laughs> what do you want us to do? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. Part two, we good. I'll give it a couple more seconds, man. Good. They chef can't get no more hamburgers. You done for the night, son. You done. No more, no more food. Yeah, but yeah, that's a good, that's a good start. We'll go right back to question one. All right. Um, this is actually the second second part. They had a little technical difficulties. And so we're gonna crank it back up from the beginning, man. Get out y'all. Um Can y'all hear me? Some pair. We yeah, we found you finally can't you eating that damn hamburger, yo. You want to try to crazy, yo. I apologize, yo. I don't know what the, the fuck happened. <laughs> we gotta get the keys. Oh man. Yo, give us the keys, nigga. You good, but give us the keys. <laughs> can't drive us home from the party, yo. That's crazy. I had the whole show set up. I liked the intro. They was rocking. Oh, wow. We gonna rock out. We gonna rock yeah, we out. Good. We gonna get it right here. I apologize, y'all. I po- God damn it. All right. We have 51. We have 51. Those who know, know. Oh, uh, let's go then. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Let Worry me know, you, bro. Let hey, me know when you let, guys can actually see this. Let's, let's get a little bit of a, you know, uh, a, a small introduction though, like you know, what I'm saying, go ahead, uh, just do a do a small shorty. Yeah, you know? get us back on track. All right, so we we can get back on track, man. We got uh, Timo Cyrus here, man. Um, actually, uh, uh, the bros have been really doing some study, uh, at least for the last four or five years on Afroasiatic, and we just felt like it's a good idea to uh, let the brothers. Uh, teach subject matter that they actually have a serious command of, and so we 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 understand the importance of understanding scientific literacy and understanding our history. And and I want to give a quick example, and that'll move us right into question one. So if you got uh, Zachariah Sinjin teaching you about the Anunnaki, you're going to be in trouble because he's going to twist it to fit his agenda. If you got Malachi York teaching you about the Anunnaki, you're going to be in trouble because he's going to move into his agenda. Uh, it's 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 important to study the Sumerians and their and their history and their religion, and in their religion you will learn uh, their mythology on the Anunnaki. That's how you get to that subject. And so our community hasn't actually uh, really understood what. Afro-Asiatic is. We've heard people talk about it, but we haven't got a clear, concise understanding of what it is. Now, the brother's been teaching this subject for at least four years, right? So so, so we like to actually welcome them to the platform uh, because they have command and subject and don't let nobody tell you they fucking don't because they actually do. So we have a clear, concise understanding. So we're gonna ask them some questions Right, get your pencil and pads out. All right, because we're going in. Yeah, I mean, you know, get yourself together. Yeah, I mean, crack your fingers and let's take note. So, brother Brendan, where you at, man? Let's go ahead and get into uh, the first question, man. And 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 Timo Cyrus, man, uh, appreciate y'all for blessing the platform again. Right, welcome to Timo Cyrus. Thanks for coming on and sharing um, and uh, actually creating a teaching moment for us. So. Jumping directly into question one, can you guys provide a brief history and overview of the Afro-Asiatic language phylum? 
All right, jump back on this. All right, yo. So, so uh, a brief history of uh, oh, Afro Asiatic. So prior to I say the nineteen oh uh, nineteen fifty, it was called uh, Hamito Semitic, and um, the reason why it was called Hamito Semitic was because uh, linguists of the seventeen to eighteen hundreds they uh, classified languages based on race. And, and the four races that they classify languages on were Mongoloid, Caucasoid, uh, Hamitic, and Negroid. So, so Semito Hamitic uh, was based on Semitic. And so Semitic was recognized by scholars in around the, the late, uh, what, what, yeah, the late 1800s uh, by the Gottingen School of History. Um, because they they recognize similarities between Arabic, Aramaic, and Hebrew, so uh, so the the first scholar to recognize uh, similarities between ancient Egyptian, which was uh, at its infancy, um, and Semitic, uh, was uh, Adolf Ehrman in the late 1900s. Okay, so the reason why the reason why uh. It was called Semito uh, Hamitic was because these scholars thought that since the Semites were related to Hebrews, that uh, the you know what I'm saying that made the Semitic languages superior and the Semitic people superior to all other races. Um, and so the Hamito group were Egyptians, Berbers, Ethiopians, who they call uh, well, well, Kush, uh, Cushitic speaking people, who they call Ethiopians at the time. And um, they didn't include Hausa. Um, and the reason why they didn't include Hausa was uh, later on uh, was because of uh, this guy named, uh, I don't remember his first name, but um, it's Meinhof. Meinhof uh, uh, also carried on the tradition of separating languages based on race. And so when he looked at Hausa uh, in its comparison with uh, Semitic, Berber, Egyptian, Cushitic, et cetera, et cetera, uh, he saw similarities with Hausa, but he still classified it as a Negro language, and that was due to uh, the the appearance of the Hausa people who had kinky hair and dark skin. So they were still classified as Negro based on race, but their language did show affinities to Semitic, Egyptian, and Berber and Cushitic, but he still classified it again as uh, as Negro. So, uh, uh, Geechee, I think uh, you mentioned uh, what was the yeah, French guy's name? Uh, the French uh, ethnographer uh, Maurice uh, Delafosse. He came in with the term Afroasiatic, and uh, later on, uh, uh, Joseph Greenberg in the 1950s, he came. You know, he resurfaced the term again, and yeah. uh, and even uh, modern times, the the language following itself. Uh, you know, so according to uh, you know, linguists like Roger Blanche and Christopher Eric, uh, Afroasiatic uh, language is the language of uh, uh, Northeast, uh, of these ancient Northeast uh, wild grain collectors. Right. So, uh, okay. So then, 1947, you got uh, you got um, I think his name Michael Cohen, and you had Joseph Greenberg in the 50s. Now they totally. Uh, disbanded the the racial categories of languages you know what i'm saying they, they denounced that uh racist shit from 
the late uh, 1800s. And um, uh, Joseph Greenberg developed Afroasiatic as we know it today. Uh, he, he added Chadwick, which was ignored due to their appearance prior to uh, his, his mass comparison. Um, he, and he added it based on um, the different features within Chadwick that he recognized within Egyptian, uh, Semitic, and Berber. So, and that is basically the a history and the overview of Afroasiatic as we know it right now, because uh, since Greenberg, you have scholars uh, like Paul Newman, uh, uh, Diaknov, Gabar Takaks, uh, Oral, and Stobova. Uh, they have all um, did some type of work dealing with Afroasiatic and were able to prove that uh, there was some connection between these languages that uh, Joseph Greenberg developed. Now, Joseph Greenberg uh, based his work on previous language classifications. All he did was throw out the racist components of it and just base it on language. But we'll get into that later. But that, that's a brief overview. If anybody else on the panel would like to add on to that. No, no, we can go on to the next. Okay, awesome. It's a great, great overview. All right. How are language phylums created? All right. Um, again, like, so, so language phylums are already there. It's just the fact that, you know, you have scholars and linguists have to recognize them and group them together. And one of the main reasons why they group them together, because uh, they share, share innovations. It's almost like into uh, genetic mutations in, 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 um, in, in a certain genome, how uh, a group of people can be related at, at a macro level, but at a sub level, they also share uh, innovations within their genetics, and that makes them related. And then they split off into another group, you know what I'm saying? They, and then they ethnically and culturally become two different people. But uh, language violence work similarly because geographically these people you know what i'm saying had to have lived in the same area and they had to have, have come from the same origin so uh it, it's it's the scholars and the linguists job to to uh sort out what they share in common and what what changed since they split from that common ancestor and that, that's how language problems are or language families are created uh, yeah, I, I could also say just for simpler terms for those who um, would like to understand it a little bit simply, language language phylums and language families are made up of, like Josh said, languages that are genetically related. And what they do is they have similar features uh, um, within their language structure that makes them related. And those similar features can also be used to find a what's called a proto-language or a mother tongue, uh, which uh, share those same features, uh, features such as uh, phonology, morph morph morphology, and syntactics. Um, and so when you see those same features within those two uh, languages, such as sister, they're called sister languages, uh, well, the proto-language of the mother also shares the same characteristics. Uh, and this is basically how a family is created. Um, when you talk about uh, language problems. And terms yeah. like proto and science, terms like proto and science means first or before. 
So when you hear proto language or the proto mother tongue, this is what exists at, at base root, which is hypothetical at proto phase. Yet and still, they still follow the same scientific methodology. Not to mention that terminology that you hear, the nomenclature that you hear in linguistics, are mimic from biological terms. And like they say, based off these relations, biologically you have genetic relations, and you also have genetic relate relations in language. So when you look at it from a, bio, a biological perspective, we hear about the taxonomy structure, which is the domain, the kingdom, the phylum, the class, the order, family, the genus, the species. So they use that same terminology to mingle or, or, or to cross-reference to together by pairs characteristics that's seen in languages where they bridge. And at root, that mother tongue is what they label as proto, at root where they're bridging from. Like you have proto Afroasiatic. You have a proto of the first phase before you get to the other settings of it. So in linguistics, they mimic the same terminology or they give the same nomenclature as what you find in biological uh, um, labeling. So they're looking at the characteristics that's shared with these people, and then they go all the way down to the root to postulate what is and what's not. Yet and still, they follow the basic scientific methodology. And, um, and um, that's pretty much, you know, the, the, the basis of it. You were going to say something, Kansu? Yeah, I just wanted to note that this methodology is, you know, in science, science always accounts for fallibility. Uh, that's what gives science its ability to be consistent when we use science as a means of discovery. So we use the scientific method. And in linguistics, we use something that's called a taxon. So when we use a taxon, um, it seeks to classify language phenomena. Those languages that are sometimes borrowed and exchanged back and forth between um, groups of people that share close proximity to even those that are isolates that carry a consistent uh, language uh, family and phylum over a period of time. So taxonomic linguistics is kind of based on the procedure of selecting uh, linguistic units from a text. And then you study their features in terms of sequencing and distribution. And, and when you study that and use it peripherally with archeology span migrational routes and other areas of study, you understand the consistency and what is created is called the comparative method that comes from a mother language, a mother tongue that's called program. All right, cool. That's a great explanation there, fellas. Um, let's go to question three where we left off from the uh, the previous show. So what is the difference between a language family and a language phylum? Yeah, uh, again, like, I don't know why this is such a point of contention, but the, 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 the maximum, the, the maximum taxonomy uh, dealing with, uh, with languages and, uh, and species and stuff like that, uh, when it comes to languages, it is classified as a family, and that's the maximum uh, relation that the said family has to with other languages, so to speak. So with Afroasiatic, um, uh, you got Berber, you got Cushitic, you got Chadic, you got Semitic, Egyptian, and uh, in, in uh, most cases, you got uh, Amotic. Uh, the maximum tax taxonomy when it comes to that is Afroasiatic, which they call the language family. And then uh, to break it down even further, you have, again, those, those six language groups. So, uh, for instance, if you want to break down, uh, say, Chadic groups 
further, you, you would uh, separate it as Western Chadic, Central Chadic. Um, it was Western Central and East Chadic. And it's one other group too. But um, I want to read uh, from R.L. Trash Dictionary of Historical and Comparative Linguistics. He uh, covers phylum and uh, he defines it uh, as a a linguistic a linguistic taxon. Like all such terms, this one has no precise definition, but it is most commonly applied to maximal taxon. Uh, that is a taxon that is not known to be part of a larger taxon, such as Indo-European and Afro-Asiatic, Eskimo, Aleut, and Basque. So, according to uh, R.L. Trask, uh, the use of phylum uh, it does um, it, it does say or, or suggest that yes, these language families are indeed related. But that is the maximum, you know what I'm saying? That, that that is the most that they are related. They're not related to any other language group. Like Indo-European is not related uh to Afro-Asiatic or any other language groups. If anybody wanna uh expound on that, but that yeah. that is and and, 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 and then like real quick though, but like it's it, the 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 phylum and 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 language thing is is not a real argument, you know what I'm saying? I don't I don't know yeah. why people use that shit. And, but and, go ahead and, and go. A, and the family again is you know shared characteristics that we see amongst these populations. And then when you talk about the phylum, as you said, at root, it, at the top of the level of the of the family, you see the same shared branches within the language family. The top of the phylum or the the top of the level of the family would be classified as the phylum. So it's really not what people are, you know, trying to make more of what it is. We see the shared characteristics in the sense of a family. And we also see the, 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 the niction between the branches that they are characteristically as well at the top of the level within that language family. That in itself is, at the, is what's classified as what they are labeled as a phylum. So. Okay, awesome. And I know, Kansu, you had something that you wanted to add. Um, to sort of to the tail end of question three as well. Well, you know, sometimes uh, people look at it in definitive terms and kind of misunderstand the difference. So when, or what appears to be a difference, mm -hmm. when we talk about the top of the family, it usually gives reverence to its origin and its base. When we start getting into families, they break off into branches. So you start getting into common features that identify as substantiated language. Because one thing science does, it holds you accountable for ignorance and you cannot shoehorn or craft an argument without scientific methodology. And this is what the categorization of family does. So you have to deal with phonology, morphology, and syntax. And those things are then compared to other languages as the proto-language is developed. And that proto-language is usually helps substantiate um, the proto-language of that particular family, because then you're going into the phylum of that family. And that's why the language families break off into branches and they appear to be somewhat different, but it's just the same thing. It's just like talking about 
different animals in the animal kingdom and the taxonomy that's created around those animals. Yeah, that's a, I say again, that's a great example. I like how they use the, uh, you know, in terms of biology, right? They use that sort of an, an, an analogy inside of linguistics as well. So let's move on to question number four. So we're in new territory here. So you know, one, mm -hmm. let me read this question. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is this yeah, is uh, from, yeah, from, that's, brother, that's, from brother Unc. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's like this stuff a little bit. Yeah. Let's add a little heat. Here we go. To the grease. Got the fire cooking. Great question right here. And, and we've heard it a lot, right? For this discussion, because this is important right here, right? Are there any credible linguists that support the Negro Egyptian language follow as proposed by Jean-Claude Mboli? You gotta say Jean-Claude Mboli. That's how you gotta say that. So, so that's a question that I need to know. I'm just trying to figure it out as I, as I pan over the landscape and kind of figure out what's going on as I learn my way through this thing they call linguistics and Afro-Asiatic, right? So yeah, this popped up on the radar, right? So I'm asking the brothers, man, somebody dive in, man. Where are the credible linguists that support this? Where are they at? Where are the sources? And let's talk about it. Well, I mean, I, uh, I, I guess I'll take that one. Um, first of all, there are no uh, credible linguists that take Emboli's work serious. Uh, that's number one. But uh, number two, uh, Emboli does cite this guy named Graham Campbell Dunn. And uh, when you do a Google search of Graham Campbell Dunn, uh, he's done things like he's he's uh, connected Niger Congo to the language isolate known as Basque in Europe. He's deciphered the Minoan script that no one else has been able to do. I think he's connected languages to the language isolate to uh, Sumerian. You know what I'm saying? He's done so many works that nobody's ever heard about him. And, and, and there's a reason why nobody's ever heard about him because uh, I want to read from this uh, this website. And keep in mind, if you want to share something as well, oh, yeah. I can drop it. Yeah, share that out. screen. Yeah, share yeah. that screen so we can let see me, that real quick. Let's, let, let's let, see me, guy. let me share Let's not put him in hiding. Nah, we ain't gonna hide him. We, I got him right here on front street. All right, yeah, you got him right. unshare. Uh, mm -hmm. I got you. All right, this guy right here. Uh, so this is audiophone.org. This is uh, uh, this is what you call it. Uh, this is an archive. But uh, he posted this in February third, twenty ten. And uh, he was talking about again, uh, Grand Campbell Dunn. So, yeah, he uh, he identified Bass as Niger Congo and and whatnot. He he's done so many uh, groundbreaking works, as he says right here, uh, like the African origins, classic uh, civilization, Maori, the African evidence, who were the Minoans, the African answer. Uh, so, basically, he sums up his work right here. Well, uh, I just want to say it loud and clear that Grand Campbell Dunn's work is crackpot science. Don't believe it. Don't even read it. Uh, he's saying Siwu and Uskara are fascinating languages that deserve serious research, but they are most certainly not related. So that's that's uh, one scholar I could find that, you know, uh, that 
supports Mboli because I I believe that Mboli um, has probably had conversations with uh, Kama Dunn, and Mboli has probably done a, a live stream with uh, Kama Dunn. Uh, but uh, to your answer, oh, man, I, I, there there's no credible scholar out here that agrees with Mboli's work, bro. None, oh, man. Come no, on, bro. No, no, not one. Not be serious. I mean, There's I mean, no fucking way. Yeah, it's, it's it's only one, and it's the only one that cites him. It's the only one that has cited him multiple times, and that is the Sarim Hotel. But that's the only one. I said linguist, bro. Incredible. You you you, 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 you jumped off the train, jumped off the track, you made the left at the wrong turn. It's not. <laughs> yeah, we not. That's not what we're doing. We, I'm talking, I'm, I'm talking specifically that are noted to be in the field, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, fuck it. I like John Conan Bully. My shit don't count. Yeah, the question was very specific. So that, does he have a Wikipedia page? We can look him up. Surely. Uh okay, I I got I got you right here. Um I looked him up and let me share my screen again. Hold on. Uh you know. I stay with that shit, you know. Share screen. All right, John Cloud and Bowler. Here we go, right here. You know. Uh, no, I thought you were gonna pull up the uh, the other one. The, oh, oh, this one right here. Campbell Dunn. Yeah, yeah, Cam, Cam, yeah. That's it, Campbell Dunn. Uh, okay. He so he don't got a Wikipedia page then. No, no, he don't. No, I mean he, he's a he's a electrician. So if you want to look up. How to you know insert a light bulb or some shit like that? Campbell Dunn? No, no, no. Uh, you on Cam Campbell Dunn? I, I was looking at John Claude and Bowler. We look at uh. Hold on, I got you. Yeah, I've already checked. Uh, G yeah, he, he don't JK have anything, Campbell. bro. Yeah, GJK Campbell Dunn doesn't have a Wikipedia. I, he's, I mean, he's not taking serious, bro. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay, so that's and, a that's a dead roll for me. I mean, look, the only person is uh, I mean, you see the name right here. Yeah, yeah, that's all right. That's a little sketchy for me and what I want to give the audience. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to put my support. No, not behind that guy. I can't. I'm not doing that. Yeah, you, you at least got to get into the uh, into the game. That's like me saying, yo. That's the greatest running back I've ever seen. Yo, yo, what team he play for the NFL? Nah, 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 nah. Yo, he ain't make that. He ain't that yet. Well, I don't want to talk about that. Don't bring him into the game. Interesting. All right, so let's move forward. Okay. Yeah, and just just a bit, just to add just a bit of context to the question, right? Um, as I understand it, and you guys correct me if I'm wrong, is that the, the Negro Egyptian or the pr proposed Negro Egyptian theory is is has been proposed as a sort of a competing theory with the Afro-Asiatic. That's and 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 this is the reason why we're sort of bringing that up, right? Into the context of the the broader discussion, we're talking about Afro-Asiatic language phylums, right? Um, is is Negro Egyptian sort of brought up as a competing theory or no. a replacement? Or no, mm -hmm. no. It, I mean, it, it's brought up. It's definitely not a competing model. Mm -hmm. You know, so it, it's is is without a doubt it's not a replacement model you know what i'm saying uh th there are different channels and uh ways you have to go through that like first you would have to submit an article to a journal that's dealing with afro-asiatic linguistics you know what i'm saying and show and prove why 
this 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 language family is invalid and you show your work about how negro egyptian it is more you know what i'm saying more invalid or it, the evidence says that it should be called negro egyptian for these reasons right here and to my knowledge it hasn't been done like right writing a book is the same way it, it's likened to sitting in your living room and saying how you would knock out mike tyson or you know what i'm saying like it, it's not the same like what you need to do so is get in the ring with mike tyson and knock his ass out. So, if you ain't doing that, so, then it's, it's irrelevant. Yeah, it's just like it's just like um, biologists, right? Who find a gaps and it's gaps and it's gaps in, in evolution, right? So those gaps they insert their belief in there, and you do have biologists out here who believe, and they make books and they insert God in there, and they are those creationists. You have creationists who are went through the proper concentration, went, got the diplomacy, graduated from school, but because they have gaps in there, they insert God in there. So they can, they are, you have creationists out there. There's a few authors who are biologists, yet and still they're creationists. Yet and still, when it comes to mainstream academia, no one takes them serious. It's hard to even mingle theology with the field of science. You know, that's, that's two different worlds. So when you have a person trying to mix and match that, this is the same thing you find these fake linguists doing, or some linguists. So mainstream academia don't take terminology like Negro Egyptian serious. They don't look at it. They don't pay attention to it. It's not taken serious. The only people that's taking it serious is the people in the underground. And they only show this work to one another and they promote it to one another. When it comes to mainstream academia, no one's going to use that nomenclature to talk about a group of people living in what we know as the Nile Valley or what we know as Egypt. There is no Negro Egyptian in mainstream academia at all. They don't take no. it literally. They don't take it serious. They don't use that terminology. So, no, it's not even a competing thing against Afro-Asiatic because the, people, the real people that's in that field don't even pay attention to it. I was going to say, then, like, you know what I'm saying, how you going to go from, like, hemiosemitic, which was already racial, you know what I'm saying, and Greenberg, you know what I'm saying, took it to the ge geography, you know, Afro-Asiatic, and then you're going to go right back to some racial shit and call it Negro-Egyptian and say, and say Afro-Asiatic is racist. This shit don't make no fucking sense. It, it's, it's the hermetic theory with blackface, bro. The, to sum it up right. quite nicely, if you don't know what the hermetic theory is, it, it basically states that the the biblical people of Ham descended into e Egyptian, the, the Cushitic people, Berber people, and they are superior to the Negro people of Sub-Saharan Africa. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's, it's based off racial categories. So what Negro Egyptian does is does a reverse. It says that the dark-skinned Africans, the black Egyptians, uh, or people related to the black Egyptians are superior to the lighter-skinned people of the Middle East and North Africa, like the Berbers, the uh, the Semites, and the Indo-Europeans. So it's, it's the same shit, bro. Like, I don't get how you could denounce the Hamitic theory and then turn around and do the same shit. Yeah, yeah, we definitely gonna get into the hermetic theory because I, I got a, I got a powerful quote that I want to go into after we get through with these questions. My bad. <laughs> no, you good? You good? You good? Oh, so, that's yeah, real I, interesting. That was funny. He said, Josh said that the Negro Egyptian is what in blackface. <laughs> the the hermetic theory in blackface. Hermetic <laughs> theory in blackface. It's the same shit. Like you, you gonna yeah. say that, that the Hamites gave civilization, wow. gave, uh, you know what I'm saying, G gave proper 
of civil right. living to Africans, Negro, Negro people. You know, so you're gonna take that shit and, and put it in reverse. Like, you know what I'm saying? If you look at any of their yeah. language classifications, they take out Berber and, and Semitic because of what they look like. It's not on linguistic grounds because if you study Berber or uh, Tamazic languages or Semitic languages, they are closely related to Egyptian languages, whether you yeah, like them like, or not. Go ahead, it's bro. Like, it's like it's like re, it's basically like reverse reverse uh, demic demic diffusion, basically. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's unscientific, bro. That's all it yeah. is. Yeah, 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 right. 1974, the Cairo Symposium with Shikanti Diadelfile Bang and Walty Rodney. Rodney, uh, you y'all can read the work. I, I I suggest everybody read the work, and I'm gonna actually do a show on the work so that we can see. And they came to a scientific consensus at that particular conference, and they said that the Egyptians were were neither white nor black. Okay, but but but, but they was homegrown indigenous Africans ranging from skin skin color from like from like the dark brown. And the reason they said that they weren't white nor black because they was because they understood that it was a scientific conference and 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 saying a person was black or white was actually pseudoscience that was promoted in early Egyptology. So they couldn't say that. What they said was what they're saying now that they was homegrown Africans. Right, uh, and you can go to the Brooklyn Museum, right? Coming out of the Green Sahara, the, the, the shit is called that. And they clearly say that they're homegrown Africans. Simple as that. And, and we know what a homegrown African is. Being a homegrown African don't mean that you have not had sexual partners outside of the borders of Africa. It don't mean that. Homo sapien sapien is the mix. Yeah, but go ahead to question four. I just I don't want to get into the whole. I'm not going to do that. But let's let's move forward. That was a great question, and and now the community is educated uh, on that. All right. So on to question five, and as you can see here is the old the old famous uh, photograph of our um, our famous uh, linguist Joseph Greenberg, right? In his oh, yeah. In, in, in his uh, very controversial theory. So so here's the question for number five. Right. What are the uses and the limitations of Greenberg's mass comparison theory, right? Also called the multilateral theory. But I mean, uh, the uses of it was um, it's anywhere between twelve hundred to three thousand languages in Africa. So, what uh, scholars before him, what, what they required was you study this this one language and this second language, and you see are they related, and you keep doing that over and over. But that, you know how long that would take to study two languages in isolate, you know what I'm saying? Like it would take so long. So what he did was uh, based off previous classifications, Hamito-Semitic, he, he, he uh, lumped them and, and analyzed the lexical uh, data between these different languages. And he saw similarities between groups that were already postulated. So it, it, it wasn't like Greenberg pulled this out of thin air. His method was different, but his method was not different uh, than, uh, say for instance, Indo-European uh, scholars from the 1700s because they postulated that German and uh, English were related. They, they postulated uh, that Sanskrit and uh, Sanskrit and Latin was somehow related. 
due to the similarities way before the comparative method was even thought about and and th they were considered right so his mass comparison was to see what was related and um also i want to note that his mass comparison was not an end be all like it wasn't the last step uh it called for people to study the morphology the syntax the uh the nominal class the noun class uh of these said languages and he did exactly that um of course the 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 mass comparison on its own like yeah it doesn't study morphology long words stuff like that but that's not the last and final step and i, I think that's a misconception within uh this topic is saying that you do the mass comparison and all your work is done because even greenberg himself didn't stop at that and neither did other african uh linguists in the field, they didn't stop at just his mass comparison. They checked his work. Although it was controversial, they checked it and they did approve of Afro-Asiatic because Afro-Asiatic is the most agreed upon. The other ones are the most highly contested and disputed, like the Khoisan, the click languages, who he grouped all the click languages into one family, and uh, Nala Saharan. So, if not anybody wanted to uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so you did you did great with the uses. I want to go over the limitations or the criticism. There's one particular criticism that was made by Lyle Campbell. Uh, Lyle Campbell pinpointed that uh, one of the major issues with Greenberg's uh, mass comparison theory is that it that he doesn't have a standard for determining determining the relatedness, what makes them related. Uh, he doesn't set a standard for what resemblances occur or how many resemblances are needed to prove a relationship. That's something that comes well after uh, this theory was established. And this is what's being proven now is how many resemblances are needed in order to prove a relationship. How many, uh, how many ways can be determined a relationship or relatedness? And that standard is being created by the current linguistic uh, academic standard. Uh, so while he may not have created those things at the time, uh, you know, due to primary investigation, specifically on grounds in these areas uh, where these cultures exist and being able to have case studies, they're able to determine not just what makes the relationships work, uh, but multiple accounts uh, of proving that. And, and this is why, although his theory is flawed, uh, his 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 conclusions to uh, these language families is still stands today. Anybody else want to uh, add on to question five, or are we are uh, ready to move forward? Yeah, that's yeah, a good question. Okay. Go ahead. All right. So question six. This is a very interesting one. How are genetic relationships between languages formed? It, it, it's, it's a number of ways uh you know what i'm saying uh you, you have um you have similarities between languages um like shared innovations dealing with morphology uh nominal yeah. classes um, yeah. oh, phonetics. oh yeah, uh, uh, uh phonetics um it, yeah. it, it, it's a number of ways that they diagnose um shared genetic relationship between languages 
Um, so, and, and another thing I want to talk about was how the, the comparative method is touted as the only way of establishing a genetic, genetic relatedness of languages. And that's not the only way. Uh, it, it is the best way, it's, it's the most uh, efficient way to establish a genetic relationship between languages. Um, but if you take Afroasiatic, for example, um, the, 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 the language group originated some somewhere between uh, seven to 8,000 years ago to 12 and 13,000 years ago. So it's a very old language group. And the problem with that, that anybody uh, that's dealing with Afroasiatic languages like Egyptian or anything like that, the problems that they run into is that it's not attested 12,000 years ago. The earliest branch is attested about uh, 3,000, uh, 3,500 BCE. You know what I'm saying? And then you have the next branch, which is uh, Semitic, that was attested after that. And then after Semitic, you have the Berber languages uh, that was uh, attested after that. So then you have thousands of years where essentially none of these languages had any uh, written uh, written alphabet or anything like that. Except if, if you want to count the Arabs coming into Africa through the Sahel and uh, you know trading with different African groups. Other than that, no African languages had uh, a written corpus of text or whatever in comparison to ancient Egyptian and Semitic. You know what I'm saying? So the, the time depth of Afroasiatic is so great that the uh, the, the evolution of the, the sister branches is so great that they change so much that um, they look drastically different, but there are features that are common still to this day that are shared between uh, Berber, Semitic, Cushitic, uh, some Amotic languages, and Chadic. You know what I'm saying? So that right there is enough to uh, for, for scholars to say that uh, Afroasiatic is indeed a language group, is a language family. The evidence at hand isn't comparable to Indo-European, but at the same time, this is what we got and what we have is enough to say that, yeah, it's, it's definitely something here. All right. So, yeah, I want to address yeah, this. I wanted to, can I say something really quick now? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, um, and I'm going to reiterate this because this kind of gives more clarity to what I said earlier. When we talk about language families opposed to language phylums, the family is the genealogy, i.e. genetic. And we're not talking about genetics in the sense of haplogroups and mtDNA. We're not talking. And, that, and that's a big problem when we don't understand misnomers and the usage in the scientific community. So the genetic relationships are based on phonology, morphology, and syntax which is peripheral to, did they eat cattle? Were they pastoral? The pottery, the uh, equatorial displacement, how far were they from the equator? The timeline that's been established in history. It's a peripheral and it's studied over and over and over again. It's not just a basic 
theory of postulation. It is a proven theory because of the scientific method. So I kind of want to make that ex extremely clear. So one can't just say, I think I'm going to make up a phylum today. You can't do that. There are other qualifiers that you have to satisfy before it can even be called a phylum. So I just wanted to put that out there when it comes to genetic relationships. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say something yeah. right quick. I'm gonna say something right quick. We have a we have a racist Afrocentric. I don't know. It's a lot of, you know, the, racism is a disease, and um, and 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 I think that you have people um purposely um in a chat, and they, and I and you can tell they don't read. A lot of people don't read, um, and they say that they want to see the historical comparative method, and the historical comparative method, and my brother Josh, you know, got info, and everybody that do the research. The historical comparative method has been done with Afroasiatic. For someone to say they need to see it to see if it exists, that goes to show that they're not reading. They're not reading anything outside of the the the, the Negro centrics. Because I don't want to talk bad about Afrocentricity in a mature way. Because Afrocentricity, that that you're sitting in Africa and you accept the diversity of Africa, whether you're light, dark, Caucasoid, Negroid, or whatever morphology they have. Africa is a continent, not exaggerated Afrocentricity that becomes Bantuized pseudoized or whatever it's pseudoism so 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 for someone to say you know that the that the comparative method hasn't been there in usage that goes to show that these people are not reading because christopher aaron and a lot of people matter of fact when a brother brendan bring up the books that we shared a few of the books it's all done in these books and that goes to show a lot of these people are not reading they're so gone and so struck by racism so, they can't see past bantus they can't see past it so it goes easy one sec everybody freeze so we're gonna have i'm i'm sure yeah, we got that question coming up and we're going to supply the evidence and the sources. So we, you know, that's called the peanut gallery right there. Never be dismayed by the peanut gallery. That's where <laughs> fun is happening now. And, right, right. And, and, and I like that question that guy said. Do you know what that guy said? He said, show me this, right? I'm not even, was he saying he wanted to see if y'all could do it? Because that's a running thing too. And I just want to let everybody know, right? Please don't ask me to demonstrate any goddamn thing. I'm a novice. I'm not an expert. Well, um, because that's a really a Hebrew format. Y'all do know that, right? Well, um, evolution ain't real because you're not in the lab. The vaccines, you don't know how them vaccines work because you're not the scientist in the lab. Well, why in the hell would you expect a novice, right, non-professional expert to be in the damn lab in the first place and what regular African-American or white American or Jewish American or whatever hell is walking around just knowing that. It makes no sense. It's absolutely a trick question. You're tricking the audience to think that we should even remotely be able to do that. No, we practice scientific literacy so we can at least understand when the fools are faking us out. That's the purpose of scientific yeah. literacy. If I wanted to actually uh, uh, go in the lab and, and do this and do that to prove evolution, I'm going to get a, 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 a degree in biology and evolution. That's mm -hmm. what I would do. And then come back and smack the shit out of y'all. So exactly. don't play that game where you got to be the guy to do it. That's that's nonsense, bro. Uh, uh, yes. And also, yeah, they, they, they know this I, 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 I don't know. I don't know if this is a woman or a male. You have 
fake accounts on here, but you have someone who's trying to. I think it's one of the uh, Assad students. I don't know, female or male. See, Either way, she's no, 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 I'm not following. No, 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 I'm not following into it. But I wanted to just say this because I'm not trying to. I'm not. I just want to say this about the information she put or he put. No one cares about Greenberg's uh, the problematic aspects of Greenberg because it doesn't end with Greenberg. Just like evolution doesn't end with Darwin. You have other people that add on. So yes, there were problems or errors. No one's talking about that. So please don't post old articles or whatever old shit as if this is the end all be all because people have added on and went further. So you're not teaching anybody nothing or you're not debunking anyone. And this is not, you know, to shoot at anybody. I just wanted to say that because it seems like the biggest target for all these people it's Greenberg, 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 Greenberg. It's just stupid, but go ahead. And, and, and can I say something real quick? I yeah, and then we'll go to the next question. I, I, yeah, I, got, I, I wanted I, to speak I, to us a question. I, I, I got something on this question, too. I would say uh, uh, genetic relationships and, uh, and languages are defined by uh, cultural transmission to gener from generation, generation to generation. You know what I'm saying? It don't have to necessarily be uh, inherited, but it can be learned. Okay. Right, right. Go ahead, yeah. Mel. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. So um, when we talk about how genetic relationships form, like Josh said earlier, um, you can use the comparative method as a more effective method to do so. And uh, like how we would prove biologically, uh, you know, a common ancestor, you would take two uh, peoples, two two groups of peoples, and compare characteristics between the two to determine. Uh, a possible ancestor or a possible connection. Same way with languages. I'm not saying that languages are languages are biologically connected genetically, but just that they share characteristics. So when you use the comparative method, a lot of times you use sets of words, and these sets of words are called cognates. And what you would do is you would compare the cognates, making sure that these sets of words on both sides of the spectrum have similar pronunciations and similar meanings or context for the word, which means they mean the same thing and they sound alike. When you hear those two things and you have multiple pairs of words, usually uh, and when it comes to the comparative method, they prefer you have thousands to rule out chance, to rule out uh, something being a potential, uh, just a typical uh, situation. You want it to be completely ruled out and completely randomized. That's how you use the comparative method. And by doing this, you're able to take these large collections of words between these two languages and show these patterns. And therefore, by using these cognates, you can make a hypothesized, uh, a hypo hypothological relationship. And that gets rid of chance resemblance. And a, a, a example of this is things such as linguistic interference and borrowing. And one of my common examples to prove uh, borrowing and, and interference is contact. When you have two cultures that speak different languages that come into contact with each other, they tend to influence each other. Usually when two sets of people meet up and they don't speak the same language, language is the first thing that usually they work through in order to be able to communicate with each other. Uh, the easiest one for most people to understand is the English language and it having French loanwords in it or borrowing from the French. Uh, usually when it comes to influence, they either have to be next to each other or it has to be war to cause that type of thing to occur. Well, when we look at why English has French long words in it, we, we do know that English is not a romance language, so it would not be a part of the 
you know, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, Romanian, and French uh, in Latin sector because English doesn't derive from either of those nor their progenitors. English comes from Germanic, specifically Western Germanic, which is a completely different side. So how would you have that connection? Well, you would look in America and you say, okay, well, in America, in American English, the 13 colonies was established. And in those colonies, they spoke English. Uh, and so when you look at the French, well, the French also own parts of the Americas here as well. And they had to communicate with the locals in the Americas. Those locals were then Creolized. This is where the word Creole comes from. And they ended up adopting not just French culture, but also French language. And then those loan words are now passed on to the American English that we speak today. So they didn't just get the cooking styles and the dress. They also got the language. And so this is how you prove uh, linguistic inference of borrowing. And this is how you can prove uh, sets of relationships. It doesn't mean that French and English are related, but there was an incident that proved uh, that relationship. Uh, so that's how you would be able to just, you know, recognize genetic relationships between languages. Yeah, and not, e not even that, like, uh, you got French, you got French and English, you could, you could tell from, like, different sort, like, the different type of French that, that was borrowed at a different point in time period, too. Like, uh, like you were saying during the, uh, like, the colonial period, and you also got French influence, uh, you know what I'm saying, from the Normans that came into England. You know what I'm saying, and uh, Latinized uh, English, you know what I'm saying, from the old, the old French. Correct. Correct. All right. So here is um, another really, really interesting question. And this lends back to some of the discussion that's happened in the chat. And I think this is one of the, the major cornerstones of why we really wanted to have this Q&A. So I'll get right into it. Are there any linguists that have established a genetic relationship between the, the, the Afro-Asiatic language, language families? And what methods did they use? Yeah. Hello. Yep. I hear you. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a. Uh, uh, it's it a couple of them. You have a. Uh, uh, the uh, eagle diagno in the eighties. Uh, you have Ora and Sabova in the nineties. You have Christopher Eric. You have a. Uh, uh, Bumhard. Um, I forget what year he came out with his but you have a, a number of linguists that have attempted to uh reconstruct afro-asiatic um the the, the problems of afro-asiatic is, is, is are the same as what i stated earlier is that the time death is, is so far away that uh um the, the chances of you being able to reconstruct afro-asiatic are slim but that's not to say that there are not any um, any remaining resemblances between the sister languages because they do see well, uh, Semitic, Egyptian, and Berber do form a a language group called uh, North Northern Afroasiatic. Um, they do see where uh, Cushitic, Amotic, and Chadic do form a branch of Afroasiatic called uh, Southern Afroasiatic because they uh, share uh, numerous share innovations. So the, the common features with all the Af uh, with the uh, comparative Afroasiatic um, are like pharyngeals 
or uh, ejectives or emphatics. Those are those sounds like we hear in Arabic, like the 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 sound. And when you study constricted languages, chatted languages, uh, verbal languages, uh, and it's postulated that uh, ancient Egyptian had the same emphatics, they all share that same feature. Um, nowhere in the continent of Africa do you find uh, language families that share that same feature of emphatics and pharyngeals on the African continent. So uh, the names I'm going to, I think I mentioned names already, but it's Aura and Stabova. You got Christopher Eric. You got uh, you got Bumhard. You got uh, Diaknev. Um, you got Gabar Takox. They have all attempted in in in, in some type of uh, capacity to reconstruct Afroasiatic with a comparative method. Right. I also want to add to that, Josh, that, um, yes, they do study pharyngeals. Pharyngeals is basically sound that's articulated in the back of the vocal tract uh, with the pharynx. And then there's also velus, uh, which uh, basically when the back of the tongue uh, touches the, the top roof of the mouth. And then there's also uh, uvelars, which are basically uh, the vocal tract with the uvela hanging down we speak uh through that as well so those are the different things that they're studying uh again they study pharyngeal fricatives as well as um phonetic phonetical uh, articulations uh, articulations and and these characteristics are common within uh those languages that are within the afroasiatic family um so these are things that are specific to them uh there's other aspects that are strictly um, within the Afroasiatic family, so things such as um, the feminine uh, T, you don't necessarily see that aspect within any other uh, family. There's also uh, specific typologies, BSO typology. Uh, also, there's a, a causative affix, uh, which is the S. Um, yep, mm -hmm, causative S. Also, Semitic, Berber, Cushitic and Chadic have possessive suffixes that, that exist. Again, these are characteristics that are strictly existing within Afroasiatic languages. These are characteristics that, again, like we said, would, would perform uh, within this group that would classify them as a language. They share these characteristics, and so therefore it has to be recognized. A lot of their consonants are emphatic consonants, which means they're, like, like Josh said, they were glottalized, pharyngized, and plosive. Uh, and then, of course, you know, like I said, with that T, that makes it a two-feminine system, a, a two-gender system, uh, masculine and feminine tones. Um, and I think just lastly, just the morphology, just the, the sound changes based on their words uh, that also show changes within their prefixes and suffixes. Yeah, yeah I, I, I just want to say also, like, uh, I think I said it earlier, but I want to reiterate, like, prior to the comparative method, um, you had uh, Sir William Jones who postulated that Sanskrit, Greek, English, and the other, what we, what we now know as Indo-European languages were somehow related. He did this in the, in the late 1800s, 1786, I think, 1788, whatever. But it was uh, prior to the what they call the comparative method. Oh, you got to do the comparative method. Well, this guy, uh, Sir William Jones, didn't have it, and he still postulated and turned out to be correct in that these languages were uh, were related. So also with uh, 
uh, let me see. The question was, are they okay? So the, the methods, okay. I mean, I, I want to read a quote real quick from. Let me see. Uh, I think it's live camera. Uh, it's a live camera. Hold on, I gotta find it. I want to make sure I, why, I got yeah, my. And while yeah, you look, and while you're looking for that, I'm gonna put a link to a um to a source in the chat because this is something that I actually found um during my research, and actually we we uh, us uh, we had a chance to discuss this um. Uh, yesterday on uh, on the uh, the conference with you guys is this is a work from Christopher Eric. This is his 1995 work that's called Reconstructing Proto Afro Asiatic Vowels, mm -hmm. Tone, Consonants, and Vocabulary. Right. Uh, this is this is available on Amazon. And the description of this particular source reads: This work provides the first truly comprehensive and systematic reconstruction of Proto Afro Asiatic. It rigorously applies throughout the established canon and techniques of the historical comparative method. And I'm going to put this link in the chat here, right? For anyone that's really interested in grabbing a source, right? For the reconstruction of Afro-Asiatic using the comparative method. All right. Um, I don't want to get ahead of. I think that's the next question, but uh, yeah, we, we can go to the next one. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna save it for the next because I think it's uh coming so, up. But. Real quick, as for no confusion, and so we're actually saying that there are uh language that has established genetic relationships. Uh, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And did we give enough sources? Yeah, let, let me uh, let me. I, I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Just All make right. sure. And, and then one more point, we did have a question that had talked about. Uh, the weaknesses in Greenberg's uh, uh, demonstration. Am I correct? We, we yeah, we, are, we already yeah, talked yeah, about yeah, that. Yeah, we, yeah, yeah. That's not, so that's not a secret. That's not none of that. So no. I'm, I'm not sure what happened in Gozi, how we got confused on that, right? Or, you know, how you got mixed in with the, I don't know how that, I think that was just like shit got confused because I at no point did anyone ever remotely say that Greenberg shit was 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 perfect and didn't have errors. As a matter of fact, uh, the Afroasiatic has holes in it too, but so does Indo-European have holes in it. So yes. so so you know we say it all the time. It's really the god of the gaps. Yes, that, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's the god of the gaps. Like 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 science is familiar with the holes in the Big Bang. Things they don't have. We show right. question marks. Yeah, that doesn't discount the whole thing. And I think that's what's really going on. But I actually think the person I think was a moderator. She was actually uh, just showing the points that we had made. So I don't know how that shit got confused. Right. Yeah. But, you know, it's YouTube. It's the chat and shit always get confused. Go ahead, though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I got it queued up right now. Like uh, you have a uh, uh, like I mentioned earlier, you got oral and Sabova. Hamito Semitic uh, etymolo Etymological Dictionary, Materials for Reconstruction. Uh, you got Kabar Takax, the Etymological Dictionary of Egyptian. You got Christopher Eric. I What I didn't um, list was the Acnef, uh, I think in the 80s. He also did his reconstruction. So scholars have reconstructed it, but you know what I'm saying? But the problem, like I mentioned before, 
you know what I'm saying, just being fair and honest, is that Afroasiatic is one of the oldest long uh oldest known language families in the world. And I, I want to go out and limb and say it, it is the long uh the oldest long uh the oldest known language family in the world. You know what I'm saying? It, it's over twelve thousand years old. So um the first time we ever saw any language in w- within the family written was uh what 30 34 bce or something like that so in the european for example in contrast is about 3500 bce and you know what i'm saying a lot of its branches are are documented and afroasiatic in contrast is is it, not documented you know what i'm saying but if you want to Again, if you want to take it upon yourself to to compare contrast, you got the sources right here on the screen, and you could compare it to uh, Embola's work on the right, um, which we'll probably get into later on. But mm. so okay, real fast, real quick. Uh-huh. What question we on, Brendan? All right, so let's move on to question eight. You want to you want to dive in? So how many we got? We got ten, right? Yep. Uh, let me share my screen again. Uh, yeah, because I want to pin 42 tribes. Okay. All right. Goof. Yeah, yeah you right. know. Yeah, yeah goof. Yep. So let me know when you guys can see the questions again. I'll go we ahead and see ask it. question eight. Okay. Question eight. What are the major issues with the proposed Negro-Egyptian language phylum? No, nobody knows about it. No, no, no serious scholar knows that it, it exists. Um, uh, other problems with Negro Egyptian is that it also bases languages off of skin color and race. Um, it, it's also not well defined because what Obinga defined as Negro Egyptian is not the same as what Obinga defined as a uh, Negro Egyptian. So, you mean in Bali? Oh, what, what I say? Yeah, in Bali. Yeah, my bad. So you got Obinga that came up with his classification. And all he did was he, he removed Berber and Semitic from uh, what he called Negro Egyptian and compare other Nigro, Nigro, Nigro Congo languages along with uh, uh, Chadic, Cushitic, Egyptian, and uh, I, I'm not going to say Amadi. But yeah, like the, the problem, the major issues with Negro Egyptian is uh, number one, nobody knows it exists. Number two, it's not virtually, you know what I'm saying, universally agreed upon what languages are included. And and to my knowledge, they try to lump all or most of sub-Saharan African languages in Negro Egyptian as related to ancient Egyptian. Um, uh, the comparative method, okay, as, as far as that, number three, um, and Boley did attempt to do a comparative method, but he had major flaws in his application of the comparative method. Um, yeah. he, compa- he, he compared Arabic, some Arabic long words in Somali and Hausa. You know what I'm saying? He compared um, very recent forms of words instead of, you know what I'm saying, comparing the oldest form of a word in the language. Because when you when you uh, compare the oldest form of a language, you're saying that the oldest 
uh, origin of this word comes from said language and it's related to the sister language. And we were able to develop what proto Negro Egyptian looked like. But what he did um, was compare late versions of a word, you know what I'm saying, to uh, proto Negro Egyptian. But other than that, like it's really nothing to it. Um, it's almost like Negro Egyptian is likened to somebody replacing the theory theory of evolution or the Big Bang. Like it's not enough evidence in Negro Egyptian. It's not enough to take it serious that we're just going to throw our whole model of Afro-Asiatic for Negro Egyptian. It, it just it's it doesn't exist. So somebody uh, wants okay. to try to. I want to say something uh, one time. I want to say two. It, it, it takes more than just a, a comparative method to, to tackle linguistics. You know what I'm saying? Uh, that's, that's been that's what's been going around. You know what I'm saying by uh, those posing uh, languages around in this community. But anyway, uh, you know what I'm saying? It, it takes more than comparative method. You got to you got to have contact linguistics. You got to have uh, contrastive linguistics. You know what I'm saying? Which deals with like languages that's learned or or is native. And the you know the contact language is, is is figuring out what the, what are the long words you know what I'm saying that were introduced mm-hmm. to a certain culture and then you have type of uh, uh, type uh, type of typology linguistics which is uh you know what I'm saying like uh, uh linguistic universals that's, that that goes across the whole human board the certain words right. Right. across right. all right. Humans. yeah and I I want to say this um as I say this um good Josh go ahead and pull up the same slide that you had. Uh, what you show on the sources on the left, um, because there's something critical to that slide that shows a flaw within uh, Negro Egyptian. And we're going to reference Negro Egyptian from Mboli's perspective, just because he did do some work um, and it needs to be addressed. Uh, so here's Mboli's understanding of Negro Egyptian. It comes in three different phases. It's archaic Negro Egyptian, classic, and post-classic. Uh, these are his different phases of Negro Egyptian. What screen are you using? That's the same. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, that, that's the screen I want. Yes. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Um, also, uh, Mboli's trying to use genetic relatedness between these 14 languages Bambara, Banda, Coptic, Jabaya, Hausa, Kiswahili, Lingala, hey. Middle hey. Egyptian hey. only. Hey, hold, hold on, hold on. No, it's, it's actually six languages. Um, six? It, it, yeah, it's six. It, it's Middle Egyptian, Coptic, Somali, Sango, uh, Sango, and Zande. Zande, yeah. Okay. So but he, I know these he, other aspects are he, he uh, added are, he added he added other shit later on, but yeah, the yeah, basic yeah. but the basis of it was six languages. Got you. So uh he's using these languages to uh show ge- uh genetic relatedness uh via you know lexicons and, and just gr- gr- grammar. Um but like how we said earlier, uh while the comparative method is not the only way to to show relationship uh let's say if you're just using the comparative method to reconstruct your language but in this case on the screen you see that there's a certain amount of entries needed in order to suggest uh, genetic relatedness again we're trying to rule out chance so when you look at uh how um uh, 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 oral and Stavova, they they came up with 2,672 entries of comparisons. When you look at uh, Christopher Aird, he has over a thousand entries of similarities. When you look at Mboli, he only has 234 num- numbered entries, and that's not enough entries to be able to rule out chance that there's a relationship between these languages. 
in linguistics, I think the most we've seen, Josh, is about 3,000 entries total um, for for comparison to be able to verify that, yes, we have a relationship here and we have a total of 3,000 words, whether long words or actual relationship from a mother to be able to say, you know what, these two languages are related. And Boley has done some work, but he has not done enough of the work to be able to make Negro Egyptian substantial. And even though he has these three different periods, which is why he floats between them with his comparison, it's not enough work. This is the major flaw within Negro Egyptian. It's not enough work. We can go into how uh, linguistic families are not classified by race or ethnicity. That's a whole nother subject. That is a factor, but the main meat and potatoes is he doesn't have enough entries. And mm-hmm. if he had, if he did more work, then we could really sit back and look at this thing and see if he has something valid. This is not enough. Because, because, you know, oh, oh, real quick, Castle. Let me. Yeah. I'm just saying because uh, what Brother Mel touched on is that uh, when you have on the left side. I didn't put uh, Gabarta Cox uh, entries on them, but he had also uh, a substantial amount of um, reconstructions himself. But we're just going to go with uh, Oris Tabova and Christopher Air combined. They're doing the same thing. Like, you know, although they are drastically different in the outcomes, they had over uh, almost 4,000 entries of trying to reconstruct Proto Afroasiatic versus. 234 entries of the six languages that Mboli claimed were related in Negro-Egyptian. So the error of margin, uh, excuse me, the margin of error with uh, Mboli is is way slim. Like, if he gets half of his his thing or his entries wrong for methodological purposes, he has 150. If they get half of theirs wrong, they have 500, 1,000, you know what I'm saying? So it's basically... Uh, go, it goes back to the comparative method. It goes back to the number of correspondences and cognates that you can find. Like, how many more cognates can you find? The more, the merrier. So, if you only got, if you only presented 234, uh, you are already lacking when it comes to the comparative historical uh, method. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead, Consul. My bad, bro. No, no, it's not a problem. Um, you know, with, with Jean Claude and Bowley. The, the 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 glaring problem is he's not an expert. It, 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 without even getting so deep into what he did, he's not an expert. He's not at the cutting edge of the technology around linguistics. The technology is what develops and brings forth information that expands on itself. This is what makes science science. And what he's doing here is more so an aficionado, and he's coming with a theory based on contextual clues. You can tell based on the volume of the study. And he doesn't show case study over a period of time to show consistency and frequency in order to develop this as a final. And that just comes with basic understanding. Like none of us are linguistical experts. We just, we understand the qualifications for what validates a claim within the field of linguistic study. So it takes the experts to validate a claim like this that's on the cutting edge of the consensus. And this is why he doesn't have a peer group. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shit, I mean, the man book ain't even written in standard French. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to get to that? Are we going to get to that? <laughs> we, yeah, what time? Where we at? All right, where you at, Brendan? All right, we got two 
additional questions. So let's just go ahead and jump into question nine. All right. All right. I'm going to share this slides again. All right. So this is a pretty interesting question here. Um, actually, this one uh, <laughs> sort, of, sort of came from me. Right. Has the Proto-Afro-Asiatic language been reconstructed? So whoever may want to take that or. Yeah, they're working on they're working on a chemistry of the Proto-Afro-Asiatic and um, the Proto-Omotic languages now. So they're they're working on it again. You know, a lot of word languages are being worked on now and based off uh, Proto-Omotic languages, term, terms like honey. And they know that the Proto-Omotic. They don't know if it's something that's close to Proto-Afro-Asiatic or if it's one of the first branch offs, but they know that terms like honey uh, show the sign of the continuity between Afro-Asiatic, between that language, early Afro-Asiatic and other languages, because they lack pastoralist terms and they lack farming terms. So Omotic itself, and this is hypothetical, but they're trying to figure out if it's a language isolate that's close to something that's split, that formed in the Proto-Afro-Asiatic, or if it's one of the first spin-off spin of Proto-Afro-Asiatic. Now, if we get out of the linguistic fields and get into the biological genetic fields, the Omotic population is very important because you see the genetic continuity that fits in with Natufians partially. You also see the continuity with other groups of people. Even 4,700 years ago in a recent article from 2022, no, 2021, last year, they said that the modern, the ancient Egyptians were 15% Omotic-like. The rest was Neolithic Libertine and Anatolian farming population. So that 15% omotic, like remember in 2017 in Abusir genetically, they said that Egyptians was completely close to Libertine and um, Anatolian farmers. But then when they look at three mummies that they were able to fully reconstruct off the nuclear DNA, they were able to see 15%, five to 15% East African DNA like, right? It was still there, but those three mummies goes back 2000 years the one they were able to sequence fully. Most of the MT DNA that most of the DNA that was sequences from those mummy heads were MT DNA. But when they went back 2021 last year, they seen a 15% East African that was demotic like. And the thing about this demotic component, the demotic people have some of the oldest genetic signatures within the EP2 family, which splits into early EB38 and early EM215 without the late V6 signals, M78 signals, and all the other signals. So with that alone from a biological perspective. If you add that on, it'll make close sense that these people are close to what Proto-Afro-Asiatic was something like or a spinoff. So they're working on that now. Roger Blinch and other people. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, you got to keep in mind, this is what you say about almost 20,000 years ago, Ngozi, is where they started this thing off at. When you talk about Proto-Afro-Asiatic, is it about 20,000? It's, it's, it's postulated around 16,000. Roger gotcha. Blinch said gotcha. 12,000. Christopher ever say 16,000, but it may go further back in the net. Yeah, I've even heard uh, like 18 as well. But uh, yeah, that, yeah. That's, when, that's, when, that's when they split from uh, not knowledge or having groups or whatever. Yeah, like, exactly, they, exactly. They yeah. I sent my brother Josh an article, and if Josh can pull it up if you want to in, or in the future, we don't have to. But we have an article, and it says they shared a common ancestor um, linguistically and biologically. <laughs> In some type of Eastern Nilotic language. Not saying that they come from Nilotic languages. It was in kinmanship of some type of Eastern Nilotic language. But when you look at that Omotic component in the Natufians at 6.8%, and you look at that lingering signature, it decreased in time because there's been a lot of population turnovers, a lot of people back migrated or whatever. But the signature is still there. And when you look at it, it makes sense. 
it makes a lot of sense. So they're trying to reconstruct it now. But it looks like something leaked out. It looks like Afro-Asiatic, the reason why it's so complicated, I'm postulating. And I will, I would like to write to the linguist to see if I can, you know, because I'm not saying that this is proof. I'm just saying that what it looks like because it's so confusing, because you know, the language family exists on two continents between Northeast Africa and West Asia. The syntax and cognizance is in both continents, but you have more Afro-Asiatic um, 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 languages within the continent of Africa, and only one exists outside of Africa, and that's Semitic, and it's little branches. But here's the thing, though. It looks like Afro-Asiatic in an early form split from something out of the Horn of Africa, drifted into um, the Arabian Peninsula, and then they, they mingle with populations who had language isolates. And by the time they make it to the Levant, they're speaking a type of, it develops into uh, Proto-Afro-Asiatic, and then some of these people leak back into the Nile Valley, and they go through the Sahara, bringing it back in. So it's like a circle. It goes from the Red Sea Hills of something leaking out of Ethiopia or Eritrea. They mingle with populations like the, um, with the, with the, um, with the basal Eurasians that were over there who were hunter-gatherers. They make it to the Levant and become the Cabrians and mix with the Agrogitian culture. They become the Levantine Agrogitians and then they come back in as Cabrians and then they go through the Sahara. And this is when you start to see you know, issues between in the Quadan culture and Jabal Sahaba amongst two populations that look distinct. And then you had a kinship to the same people that was in the north with those Iberian Marusians. And according to you know data, the Iberian Marusians didn't even speak an Afro-Asiatic language, but they had a genetic signature that was close to people in the Levant. So something's going on. So they're working on it now once you put all of that together. Right, right. All right. So let's go to all right, Brennan, last, where you at? last question. All right. All right. So are there any conferences? where linguists can submit newly proposed work to the field, right? Because we're all, we're, you know, this whole conversation we're talking about, you know, we have these, these proposed theories, these different, you know, language phylums, all this stuff, right? And we said that, you know, there's not enough work, there's not enough review happening, right? Um, and that's why we think this question is important, right? It's like, what are some of the avenues and paths for submitting, right, some of these newly proposed ideas to the field of linguistics? Uh, yeah, so I can I can list off a few. Uh, we start off, and, and these are some that are actually having uh, conferences, symposiums, and seminars this year. Uh, and you can look some of these up. There's ICAL, I-C-A-L-L. There's Bantu 9. Uh, this is basically a Bantu research uh, that basically has their symposiums every year. They have one coming up on June 10th of this month. Uh, and... You know, this would be their last seminar for the year. Basically, what they do is they study on the uh, promotion and advancement of Bantu languages. They're trying to get more eyes and ears on research and, and specifically linguistic research from Bantu speakers. Um, so Bantu 9, this is a ninth uh, annual meeting uh, for the for you know, ninth annual year for this uh, particular conference, uh, the Chicago Linguistic Society. Uh, that's another one. They had some stuff back in uh, May or April as well. Uh, I think there's another one called uh, Linguistic Society of America. They tend to have some. Uh, there's another one, uh, International Graduate Forum on Language Cognitive Science. Uh, there's several others. It's, it's too many to claim, and they are all over. Uh, they're not just located in America. Some are located in Egypt. Others are located in Seoul over in Asia. Um, but those are just some. Again, I would recommend anyone who has any 
you know, linguistic hypothesis that could be beneficial to the growth and benefit of any of these languages, uh, try to submit, you know, the documentation to these uh, symposiums and these conferences. But they do have strict restrictions as far as what can be accepted and what cannot be accepted. Uh, but it does help, you know, promote the advancement of uh, these languages. Now, the more common uh, conferences are for the more common languages, just because, uh, again, with Indo-European being a pretty dominant family, they want to continue to advance that. So you're going to see a lot more conferences on English, French, uh, and, and, you know, the like, Spanish and such. Uh, but there are other conferences for other languages, such as Egyptian and Bantu languages as well. So... I just wanted to add just one one additional slide just to give you guys an opportunity to do closing remarks or any final themes regarding uh, linguistics and Afro and the Afroasiatic lang language phylum. So this isn't to any particular sort of topic or anything, but just give you opportunity to to close out, guys. Um, I don't know if anybody else wanted to go, but I did have a quote directly from Joseph H. Greenberg, uh, where he talks about exactly why he chose to address hemito-Semitic and why he chose to adopt Afroasiatic as the proper term for this linguistic family. And it's, it's pretty expansive, but if you guys are willing to uh, check it out, and I can also showcase the book where it's from. Uh, it's a book he produced back in 1955 uh, called The Studies in African Linguistic Classification. Uh, let me go ahead and share my screen on that okay. so you guys can pick that up. In a second. Okay. All right, you guys can see that, correct? Uh, yes. Yep. All right. So yeah, this is Studies in African Linguistic Classification by Joseph H. Greenberg. Again, this is published in 1995, 1955 uh, by Greenberg. And there's a quote. Uh, this is from pages 51 to 55, but it goes over the entire reason for why Afroasiatic was his choice uh, family. So he starts off with the quote, uh, for no other pr proposed hemito-Semitic African languages can anything be presented remotely approaching the morphological and lexical resemblances adduced here for the Chad languages. We arrive therefore at the definite conclusion that the language family traditionally named hemito-Semitic has five coordinate branches, Semitic, Berber, Ancient Egyptian, Kushite, and Chad, in regards to its membership, there remains only to be added the fact that the existence of the Kushite languages, and he names them, uh, which are considerably south of the main Kushite group, has generally been overlooked. He says that the linguistic analysis presented here is correct, and much of what has hitherto been standard physical anthropology and reconstructed cultural history in Africa is need of reconsideration. The vagueness of the use of the term Hamite as a linguistic term and its extension as a racial term for a type viewed primarily as Caucasoid has led to a racial theory in which the majority of the native population of Negro Africa is considered to be the result of mixture between Hamites and Negroes. A prominent instance is the standard work of C.G. Seligman. Races to Africa in which the Negroes of the West African Forest Belt become the only true Negro, while all the rest are hermeticized to a greater or lesser extent. And he also says that the speakers of Nilo-Hermetic languages are also called racially half Hamites. The Bantus are considered to be another type of hermeticized Negro on the basis of speculations of Meinhof, 
for which he never produced any proof, nor is any proof possible that Bantu is a mixed language, so to speak, uh, which is a descendant of Hermetic father and a Negro mother. With this is often combined a belief either in the inherent superiority of the Hamite element or in a factual estimate that it has shown itself everywhere as a conquering predominantly pastoral element among Negroid agricultural peoples. Numerous citations from ethnological literature on Africa could be made to indicate that this is the dominant view. He says the borrowing of a term for a linguistic stock for racial application is always a delicate matter, though if the correspondence is fairly close, as in this case with the term Dravidian in India, there is some justification for the procedure. In the instance of the use of Hamite in Africa, we have the extension of a term whose original application in a linguistic sense was never made precise. To a great physical variety of populations, if the linguistic analysis presented here is correct, the term Hamite as a linguistic designation can only be applied correctly in Negro Africa to the Kushite populations of East Africa and the peoples enumerated above as speaking the Chad languages. As a matter of fact, even the linguistic use of the term Hamite should be abandoned. Semitic languages do not occupy any special place in the total Hamito-Semitic complex. Their cultural importance and connection with our own historic past has led to a separate treatment, which is not justifiable linguistically. In other words, the non-Semitic languages of the Hamito-Semitic family do not form a linguistic unity as against Semitic. Therefore, the term Hamitic, which has been reserved for this use, does not refer to any valid linguistic entity. Hence, I avoid the term uh, Chadic-Hamitic and prefer to designate this group simply as Chad family. The only remaining use of the term Hamitic is in the complex term Hamito-Semitic, and even here, it can only lead to misconceptions regarding a special place for a Semitic within the entire family. It therefore requires a special explanation every time it is introduced in order to avoid such a misapprehension. The term Hamido-Semitic is so well entrenched that it would no doubt continue to be used. I rather hesitantly suggest the name Afroasiatic for this family as the only one found both in Africa and Asia. In this way, Hamidic could be entirely eliminated from use even as a linguistic term. Almost done. So all pervading has been the loose application of the term Hamite in African racial classification that if the present linguistic analysis is accepted, the whole problem of physical variation in Africa should be approached once again, independent of preconceptions based on language. He said it would be rather remarkable accident if a racial classification based on incorrect linguistics turned out to be valid. And then he talks about in regard to the correlation between pastoral life and the speaking Hamitic languages, the present results show that the stereotype of the pastoral conquering Hamite must be abandoned. In West Africa, we have 100% negative correlation. The only predominantly pastoral people, the Fulani, have been shown to have been non-Hamitic speaking while none of the Hamitic-speaking peoples of the Chad area are cattle folk. In East Africa, it now appears that those people with the greatest cultural emphasis on cattle are either East Sudanic, uh, Niger-Congo in speech, the Kushites, who are Hamito-Semitic speakers, are generally pastoral, but in a less intensive fashion 
than these other people. This is the last part. Previous writers have either considered all these languages Hamitic, Meinhof, or none, Hamburger. I have simply tried to classify languages on the basis of the evidence as it has appeared to me. However, any theory which at once harmonizes with the flattering view of the general predominance of the Caucasoid over the Negroid uh, types under all cultural circumstances in Africa, and which involves a fairly consonant correlation of linguistic, cultural, and physical traits over a long period of time, must almost inevitably turn out to be false. So here Greenberg is telling you why he's using Afroasiatic because Hamito-Semitic is racially based and it is racially based on no grounds of justification regarding linguistics. That is his point. That is why he has established Afroasiatic. I'm done. It's fucking interesting. Hmm. Interesting. So, Brendan, that was the last question, right? Yep, that's that's it. Yeah, y'all can ponder that that last thing. Make sure y'all download, rewind the show. The show will be on the Real Black Atheist podcast. That was interesting. Very, very interesting, man. So, yeah, we'll be at, man, maybe we're going to have an after party where we really get to talk some shit here on another show. Maybe we might want to do that. Maybe the brother's up to that, man. But we did have that one question in the goddamn chat room. Remember I sent him a pennant? Yeah. Yeah, I pinned it. Lisa, my dang on brain. This was the question, and we're going to end with this. Right? It was 42 tribes. Okay? He says that the comparative method was used on Afroasiatic. Nobody disagrees with that. The argument is it wasn't created with it. What do y'all say about that? Can we read it one more time? Yeah, yeah, read yeah, read it one more time. Yeah. 42 Tribes says the comparative method was used on Afroasiatic. Yeah, we clearly proved that today. So anybody to say the work wasn't done on it, you're just you're just being funny in your bananas. Says nobody disagrees with that. Yeah, yeah, everybody disagrees with that. You always hear them say they ain't did the work on it. They ain't did the work on it. They ain't did the work on it. Me to death. I heard it over and over and over again. Tequila Markenbirds. I heard it. The argument is it wasn't created with it. Fucking interesting. Yeah, I mean, uh, we answered that. It, it was postulated before the comparative method in, in, uh, in, in the 1800s. It didn't, it didn't that didn't even make sense to me. It don't make sense. Could, yeah, read that again, though. What, read what, again before, the... Well, hold on. Before you read it, like the, the Indo European languages were uh, created before the, the comparative method. The comparative method just uh, expounding more on previous um, linguistic postulations. So I don't, I don't get why that 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 question is important. But I know forty two trials, and I know what he's saying. You know what I'm saying in this whole shit. But go ahead, go ahead and read it again. 
said the comparative method was used on Afroasiatic. Nobody disagrees with that. The argument is it wasn't created with it. But so what? Like you, you just you just said it. <laughs> you just said it. Don't matter. The hell, genetics and evolution genetics wasn't used to figure out uh, evolution early on at all. <laughs> what does that mean? Not a damn thing. Right. Because when you do put genetics on it, you see what parts he got right, what parts he didn't. Go ahead, Brennan. What were you saying? Yeah, and the phylum existed. I think you guys gave, gave a timeline, right, in terms of the history of the uh, the Afroasiatic language phylum, right? The phylum existed even b prior to Greenberg's uh, mass comparison theory, right? So this is something right. that's been around since, yeah, since you guys mentioned since the, around the 1800s. Yes. Yep. Yes. Yes. Uh, like, it, <laughs> I, I don't get what, what's the point of bringing that up. Like, <laughs> um, Matter of fact, the only difference that um, Greenberg had with, with prior linguists was he added Chadwick. And the, the, the reason why he was able to add Chadwick, uh, firstly, was due to him ignoring racial constructs. He was like, that racist shit don't have anything to do with language. And he threw that shit out. So exactly. Once he, once, he, once he started studying the morphology, the syntax, uh, the noun classes, of Chadwick, he saw similarities with uh with Semitic and Egyptian, and he said yeah. this this should this should be classified in Afroasiatic, formerly and, known and, I mean, and Hebrew, and Hebrew, and, and Hebrew. And, and, and let's not he, let's he not forget he actually went there. Yeah, That's the thing spoke. about a lot of people that want to make uh disagreements about the language go there and speak with the people learn their yeah, language spoke, study their language fluent, greenberg spoke fluent Hauser. like come on now yeah and 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 and, and people have postulated Hauser belonged to to hamito semitic but they excluded it based on racial uh ca uh category uh or categorical um uh differences so they basically said these Hauser people they have kinky hair and dark skin. They don't belong with it, the the Hamites. You know what I'm saying? So exactly, exactly. Like, like you know what I'm saying? Like it wasn't based on the language. It was based on what they what the fuck they look like. And, I don't know why, why, why the hell he breaking that shit up. And that and that's why I read that quote because you know people need to understand that this is not based on race. This is why uh, for people who say oh Greenberg was racist, which is why he used a uh, uh, mass comparative method. No, clearly he wasn't. If he's saying race holds no grounds to be justified with the linguistics, even for even for Caucasian people, he's saying it holds no grounds. So he's clearly yeah. not being racist. He's saying that it's it's just academically incorrect to use race when it comes to linguistics. See, the one thing is, this is why you don't have a bevy of linguists arguing with an emboli or anybody like that. It's a waste of energy. If I can't get, if you can't get past phonology, morphology, or syntax, what method are we going to be talking about? You can't comprehend what a method would be in the linguistical field. So I can't talk to you. Science don't speak to ignorance, man. If I speak to ignorance in science, I give validity to it. I can't speak to it. And that's why it's very difficult for a linguist to propose a new phylum. I ain't talking about a new family. 
The family sets the classification. It sets the order and structure through branches that come from a phylum. That means that you have to have a vast study of the culture of the people that propagated the family. And so that, that is just asinine to even ask a question like that, man. Since, since, since he got so much to say, ask him what language take in Bowley series. I don't know who you, 42 tribes, right? <laughs> no, I'm just saying, like, he got so much to say. Ask him what, what language uh, take in Bowley series. Oh, no, we found one, remember? Yeah, he, he's a crackpot. <laughs> Takes one to know one. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, funny see. as hell. Bananas. Yeah, so maybe we should drop the link in there, man, real quick and see if anybody got any questions, man. Give us, give them, give them 10 minutes to ask some questions, man. Um, Peace, family. <clears throat> I ain't got no questions. I just need to make a quick observation and then I'm going to shut the hell up because I'm in school and I'm loving it. First of all, science and scientific literacy. Once you adhere to that principle, any argument you had before, you concede based on being scientifically correct. So the fact that we are sitting here, regardless of whatever happened, science again proves that once you are genuinely adhering to the principle, you can make a full 180. Number two, we, we glossed over certain points that were made. No. First of all, when we, put, when we talk about Emboli and the way he was described as a creationist by Ngozi, says enough. He probably went through the rigor, but sticking God in the gaps. Secondly, we established that there's only one quack pot that is listening to Emboli. That ends the debate on that end. So from now on, we can continue the endeavor in breaking down how the linguistics has been established. I thank you, Team Osiris. The debate is over. Pseudo killers has struck again. Appreciate it, appreciate it. Anybody, anybody else on the panel? Aunt, uh, Brendan, Corey, Chef, you guys have any questions? Kufu? I got to put this link in there real quick. We're we, we doing the after circle. Yeah, I, I want I I to say this I, before. Um, I don't know if my brother Kufu still on here, but Kufu, a lot of, I don't know if I'm going to a chance to bring him in in the introduction, but he's the co-founder of Team Osiris when it was created. He just be in the background doing his thing. So Kufu is another, you know what I'm saying, the power base. You know, so I want to shout out my brother Kufu if he's still in here. Yeah, he was late. Of course, I brought him in there. Yeah, yeah, he in here. What's up, Kufu? Yeah, I brought him in there for certain. Yep. So, Ike, you got any questions? No, I was. Hold on, I gotta find a link. I want to put in there and see. I don't got no questions. I think we, I think we answered all the questions. Um, like we really did. Um, I think we also talked about the weak spots in the Afroasiatic. Did we not? Yeah, because I, uh, I don't think people really realize that. Yeah, you know that we got people amongst us that play 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 with the god of the gaps. They do it with evolution. They do it with everything. Well, there's question marks with the Big Bang. So, 
uh, you know, how do you like all that? Like that's not the point. Right, right. I, I mean, like scientists would clearly understand the weak spots in an argument. Nothing is absolutely perfect. And if new information uh is filtered in based off the scientific process, that information will be filtered in. Sim simple as that. So no one's stuck nowhere. But what I'll tell you is people play with the gaps on every damn thing. Specifically, the novice will play that. And I want to make this point super clear here. I think this is an important point. You should not be running around telling anybody to demonstrate any fucking thing. It's stupid. It's like you ask me to demonstrate that I can uh, score 30 in the fucking NBA game. Like, why would I be able to do that? I don't play NBA basketball. I'm on the sidelines. I like what Sean said. He said, he said, be a, be a uh, civilian. Damn, I am a civilian. Right? Mm -hmm. So like in the Marine Corps, right? Civilians are those who aren't in the fucking Marine Corps. So you're not asking a civilian to pick up a gun and shoot expert civilian. Right? We understand clearly what it is. I don't have a problem with that. When I was in the game, right, there were civilians, people who wasn't in the game. Wasn't trying to get no money out of it and going to work every day. Right? Non-combatants is what we call it. Civilians. Right? So you wouldn't ask a civilian, yo, take the pack over there because you put them at risk. Right? They don't, they don't understand the undercover agents. They don't understand the lingo. They, they fuck it up. Right. So 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 you're absolutely ridiculous when you ask a a, a a civilian to demonstrate fucking linguistics. It's the stupidest shit I've ever heard. I've seen people play that card to death. I liken it to the Hebrew Israelites where they say, Unk, demonstrate evolution is real. You're not in the lab. Then the anti-vaxxers. Demonstrate how do you know that the vaccines work and are safe and effective? Nigga, I don't know. That's why I rely on the experts. At a certain point, you got to rely on the fucking experts. You're not going to be able to make up the educational gap. You're going to make too many fucking mistakes in trying to overthrow uh, modern virology. Not being an expert. Bad enough, one expert can't overthrow the field anyway. But it's a it's, a, it, it's nonsense the game this community plays. Demonstrated beats demonstration. Niggas, shit, how the fuck I supposed to demonstrate shit? Yeah. yeah it's tomfoolery at an all-time high. And people actually went for that. You can't demonstrate it. I, the Hebrews killed us that you can't demonstrate. So what? What does it have to do with it being right or wrong? Yeah, that's the game they play on, y'all. If you can't sit down and write 700 page book on linguistics, then the shit you're saying based off the expert has to be wrong. Yeah, foolery, dog. Yep, I'm gonna put this link in here. I'm gonna tell y'all now, don't come in here with the stupid shit. I already posted it into the chat. If you guys you guys have any questions for Team Osiris, jump on. You know, we got a few of the regulars in here that like to join the panel. I'm quite sure they have a lot of uh, interesting sort of questions or insights that they would like to add. So if yeah, certainly if you guys, uh, you know, Kansu, uh, Melvin, all Gullah, um, if you guys have a, a moment to stay on, you you're certainly welcome to stay in. Uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yep. yep. Right. Uh, <laughs> Chef Corey, y'all have any uh, questions? No doubt. 
I have a question. Hold on. We got Chatty Patty. Where you at, Vince? 902 times 91. Been doing a lot of talking in there, bro. Yeah, jump on, Blue Devil. Yeah, you didn't talk yes. a little bit too much. You're Chatty Patty. You're official Chatty Patty for the day. You talked us to death in the chat. Hit the goddamn link. Hit the button. Jump in. Get it cracking. Yo, yo, can I ask you a question? You absolutely can. All right. Uh, shit, I, this this to the whole panel. Um, actually, just not the aunt, but I'm gonna share my screen real quick. Uh, this is um uh, from a page out of Ebola's book. Uh, it, is, it reads: It is hardly necessary to mention that the results thus obtained, and um, what he's talking about is his comparative method, are in perfect agreement with the archaeological and cultural facts currently available so i, I want to like any anybody that uh supports uh crazy. supports this shit can, can anybody explain uh the migratory patterns uh oh, go back to it uh the archaeo the archaeological evidence that supports uh, Zande, Sango, Somali, Middle Egyptian, Coptic, and Hausa are uh, all coming from the same origin at the same time. Th this is his Negro Egyptian group right here, the six languages. You know what I'm saying? So he says archaeological uh, evidence supports what he's saying. It perfectly agrees with it. So I'm saying, is anybody on the panel, anybody in, in, the, in the comment section would like to corroborate that shit? Because he didn't do it in his book. Mm. That's a that's a claim, and if it's not substantiated by the one who's proposing it, there is no way that I can do it. Okay, well, uh, he even uh, has the, the second wave, what uh, Mel was touched on, where he has uh, he has Newer and Luau uh, from this this uh, this point right here. Hold on. Right here, and he has Wolof making a, a, a jet line from is that South Sudan all the way to Senegambia. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, he said he has archaeological evidence to back this up. I was wondering if anybody on that side or anybody that's proponents of this shit like have any type of archaeological evidence to back this shit up. And then he got, and then he got Sango, like Sango is like a like a like is like a, a, a ancestral language. Sango was a Creole language in the eighteen hundreds, bro. Like it, like with the French, uh, when they colonized, I think it was the French when they colonized it's, the the German or the French. Yeah, but, they, it, it's it's the French. They colonized the uh, Central the African. African. Yeah, but but their language group is 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 really is really northern uh in in, in Gandhi. You know what I'm saying, but it was creolized with different other, you know, different uh, Ingande languages. You yeah. know what I'm saying, influenced by French too. You know what I'm saying, yeah. a little bit. You know what I'm saying, the Creole language is it's it's an African Creole that was around before the French, you know, but it's still like it ain't. You know what I'm saying, it's not that ancient. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's along that Obanian River. You feel me? When like, the French, yeah, when the French got there, they added on. You know, so added on to it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right, and then I also hear that. You know, if you're looking at on the left-hand side, who the, you know, for the top map, it's the white arrows. And then for the bottom map, it's 
Parabantu and Bantu, the showing the origin places where he's saying Negro Egyptian was birthed. And I also hear that he has another deck coming out where he's going to show how Negro Egyptian is also Man, we ain't uh, the mother to Indo European. We, we ain't reading that shit. Right, let me tell you what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna send that book to uh, Indo European linguists and just let them analyze that shit. I'm yeah, not we we got again. a couple we can send that to. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, let them respond to it. Right. Like I, I'm just saying, like you, you got you got Hauser, Hauser, according to this map right here on the bottom left hand corner, Hauser came from Parabantu in East Africa. You know what I'm saying? You, you got Zade came from Parabantu. You got Bantu starting in Ethiopia and went south and went went east. Well, excuse me, went west or whatever. Like, so going back to it again one more time. I thought it went, I went, thought it went to Mesopotamia. I thought it went to Sumer. Yeah, it, it, it went, <laughs> it, it, matter of fact, it came from Sumer. Like, according to uh, these experts over here, it's in their living room and shit, doing this stuff. Uh, the, 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 the Sumerians, which is a language isolate, share common ancestry with Bantu people and somehow oh, oh yeah. yeah that 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 is uh so, that is so a- here's my here's my question that let's not even go into linguistics let's just let's just speak with you know archaeology and what we have regarding the culture we all know that the Bantu expansion is about what is it about a thousand BC is is you know, argued upon yeah, about a thousand BC so if we know that the Bantu expansion started then, and we're talking about comparing languages that came in Exodus before then, so for example, let's say I want to compare Bantu to Egyptian, I, I wouldn't be able to compare Bantu to ancient Egyptian because, well, ancient Egyptian has gone and passed at that time. I wouldn't be able to compare it to Middle Egyptian, which Mboli does do, but because Middle Egyptian has gone and passed at that time. Actually, around this time period of about 1000 BC, late Egyptian, as well as, um, you know, these, these other forms of Egyptian with Greek influences are being present. So this is at a time where uh, this again, Middle Egyptian and, and, and hieroglyphics have already been passed. So there's no way you can make a comparison with Bantu at this time. What you're going to make a comparison with is a form of Egyptian that has Greek influence. And we know who was ruling Egypt at the time around when the Bantu expansion occurred. And, and I say the same for Sumerian. Sumerian had gone and left by the time the Bantu expansion happened. So how can you make a connection? You understand what I'm saying? Without even going into the linguistic comparisons, ignore that. How can you make a connection with the people who had already died and gone before the Bantus came? You can't. And let's put that point. You can't. Hey, man, yeah. point you try to hit the damn link, man. So, so I, got a, I got a good question for you guys. <laughs> right. This is Y'all say Wikipedia be lying. Man, listen, man, we ain't, we ain't never got to use Wikipedia, man. You can strictly go to the, uh, a Botanica. Man, everybody on here got w- it. Wikipedia be lying, but shit, the people he follow be trying to edit and put their own articles on Wikipedia. That don't make no damn sense <laughs> to me. The hell is you talking about? 
Yeah, they just talking, man. We gonna just get talking. up out of this framework now, yo. Before it get too damn ugly, I don't want to get ugly. So yeah, y'all, y'all gotta um, uh, what I would say, a a a a refresher course into uh, Afroasiatic, and just be mindful to understand, start to understand terminology, uh, understand how certain things work, just generally speaking. And that would give you a good read. Look, know how to look stuff up. If you're looking up things that just have one person involved in it, that's a big ass, that's not only a red flag, that's a big ass sign, right? That's actually an alert. And we call it pseudo alert around here, around these parts, right? So, so it should never be that, right? We should never fall on that side. We should relax sit back and chill and get the proper information. If it, 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 when your kids go to school and, and, and they may end up in college, right? You should be able to read certain texts in college. You know what I'm saying? Like I like textbooks. I like the information in textbooks. And when the information in textbooks get outdated, uh, the books are uh, good universities, update their libraries all the time and information all the time. So we stick to the experts so we don't get tricked by the novice. So we don't get tricked by those who, who claim to have overturned evolution. Don't get tricked by those who have claimed to overthrow linguistics. Don't get tricked by those who have claimed to overthrow biology uh, or overthrow space science, uh, uh, overthrow ast astronomy. We hear it all the time. Right, so, so we're not doing that. Don't get too hyped up to think that your daily YouTube guy, right, who's not an expert could ever fuck with the experts. Don't get tricked, it'll end up putting you in a goddamn cult. With that, everybody, man, appreciate everybody coming through, man. I don't know if we're gonna do it after show and start talking that talk. I don't know, according to what the bros wanna do, man. But for this show, man, I ain't wanna make it too long, man. Hit the button, man. We out. I see the chatty page didn't hit that damn link, though. They talked us to death in the chat, but they didn't hit that damn link. Man. Hey, man, make sure you go. I got this shirt right here from Asahotep's uh, store, right? Go go to his channel, Asahotep, man, and get this. It says life. It says life since religion. And you got man... <laughs> Going back into a damn. <laughs> oh, man. It's funny, yo. Here you go. Y'all like that, though. That's like one of them, one of them atheist t-shirts. <laughs> so funny. I like that, though. Yeah. Hey, Chef, where you at? Chef disappeared. Damn, Chef. Hey, man. Uh, just uh, <laughs> a little, uh, I guess you could say, a little plug here. Uh, I, I just turned at 12 o'clock here on the East Coast. Uh, I just turned 36 today, man. Happy birthday, uh, man. Bringing it in with you. Happy yeah, birthday, man. Bro. Yeah. Right. Appreciate All it. Right. Appreciate it. You getting up there, bro. You getting I know, up man. I know, man. I'm knocking on that door, bro. Yeah, hey, 40, I'm, 40, not 40. Door, I'm knocking on the door, nigga. All right. Knocking that door, the Grim Reaper come out that motherfucker. <laughs> nah, nah. I still got shit. I still got shit to do, man. I still it's got the shit. only door. <laughs> <laughs>
I still got stuff to do, bro. <laughs> You knocking on the motherfucking door, nigga. I ain't trying to knock on the motherfucking door. Uh, not, not that door, bro. Not yeah. that door. Shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, but thanks for everybody supporting the channels, man. Uh, I, I appreciate that, man. Support the families, man. Uh, y'all can't forget this, man. This is important, man. Um, we only as strong as our weakest link, man. All right? And uh, united we stand and divided we fucking fall, man. The world is full of, full of dedicated pseudos, man. We need as many people dedicated uh, uh, to scientific literacy as possible to fight the dedicated pseudos. We've seen it. Through this pandemic, we've seen it run rampant. We was overthrown or overthrow, overthrew. What's the word I want to use? By pseudos. Overran. Overran the goddamn position. Up, we up, had to up, call up, an artillery on ourselves. We was absurd. Bananas, right? So we need as many people that's interested in science. We need as many people that can make science fun and interesting to talk about. We do that over here. Damn everybody that's talking that bullshit. The hell with that. That's how we're doing it, man. I appreciate Timo Cyrus coming through the building, man. Hopefully we can do many more shows dedicated to science that everybody come through, man. We're going to bring some experts through on a panel, man, talking that talk. Yo, we got a lot in store for y'all this year, man. Yo, we we deal with scientific literature around here. I can't speak for Team Osiris on the atheist part, but the pseudo killers is goddamn atheists all day. Real black atheists